Last Tuesday, August 25th, the first session of the Auburn University Senate was held over Zoom. Members of Auburn's faculty raised their concerns with a number of university officials. Susan Youngblood, an associate professor in the Department of English, said she was worried that new data on cases were coming out only once a week. She said it made it difficult for her and other professors to see trends in cases throughout the week. Here's Youngblood. Um, is there any possibility that those could be parsed out more finely, like by day? She was met with 20 seconds of silence. Not one of the officials present at the meeting provided an answer. These officials included University President Jay Googe, Provost Bill Hardgraves, Executive Vice President Ron Burgess, and Dr. Fred Cam, who is the director of the Auburn University Medical Clinic. The rest of the questions in this session were answered quickly, including this one from Richard Cisick, an associate professor in industrial and systems engineering, who finally broke the silence. Well, you guys are thinking of the answer. I want to piggyback off that and suggest that more granularity in with respect to where things are happening would be good. And also stats like how many red screens, how many people, how many yellow screens. How From the Auburn Plainsman, this is Sweet 1111. I'm Trice Brown. For this episode, I spoke with campus editor Tim Nail, who was present in this meeting and reported on the story for last week's print issue. In this meeting, university officials shared details on how well Auburn's first week went and what the plans are for the rest of the academic year. Stay with us. Hey, my name is Jack West, and I'm the editor-in-chief of the Auburn Plainsman. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Suite 1111. If you enjoy this podcast, want to support it, and want to advertise with us, this space right here is available. If you're interested, send an email to admanager at theplainsman.com, and we can get you all set up. Once again, that's admanager at theplainsman.com if you want to advertise with us. Thank you so much. Hi, Tim. How are you? Good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, we're both wearing masks, by the way, uh, just to be safe. So I want to talk to you a little bit about those 20 seconds of silence, right? Right. So you were there. Was there anything like this at any point during the rest of the meeting? Right. So that meeting was about two hours, and Youngblood's question came in at about an hour and 45 minutes. Really, it was a moment that was unlike any of the rest of the meeting because they had several university officials present there, the president, for example, uh, Ron Burgess, who is the executive vice president, and yeah. several others. They had a uh, guide safe participant who was there to answer some questions that was the university employee as well. Um, and her question kind of uh, just left everybody silent mm -hmm. and nobody could really take her question. Uh, now Don Mulvaney broke in at about 10 who seconds in, who is the chair of the Senate. Okay. And he, uh, you know, asked if there were any takers and yeah, then no, no, nobody could answer, you know, give an accurate response. So, so what actually broke the silence then? So it was Richard Sasek, who is a, another professor and mm -hmm. a Senator. He was concerned about just the lack of data and, he was concerned about how some students uh, were having to tell professors that they had tested positive rather than the university saying mm -hmm. so. He felt that the university is not was not very informative to faculty and staff just on what to do once students started returning. He said he had a case 
or he knew of a case in a fellow professor's class that uh, was a little alarming that first week. Hmm. Okay. So he did not know that he had a case in his classroom formally. Right. Did they ever answer the original question? They uh, did answer Youngblood's question after Sussex had finished speaking. Dr. Bobby Woodard, who is the vice president of student affairs, came in uh, end of the call, and he was not there uh, beforehand. He came in specifically to answer a question. He essentially said, he said that uh, the university is wanting to prioritize accurate data more than anything, ensuring that they don't double count the number of positive cases that they have. He said they're still gathering data from uh, GuideSafe, uh, East Alabama Medical Center, the University Medical Clinic, and self-reported data from students that may have tested privately. Mm. So he was not in this meeting before, and you said that he came to answer this question in particular? Yeah, specifically. So how do you think the university feels about the first week? Right, so it seems like the university felt that week was pretty uh, uneventful, successful. Provost Hargrave uh, said that he considers it, quote, very, very successful. They really needed everyone to do their part, as as he put it. And uh, if you recall, the university started requiring people to wear face masks outside. So that was probably part of those safety protocols that uh, they put into place just to make sure that everyone could come onto campus safely. Did they say anything about quarantine and isolation student housing? And also, what's the difference between those things? Okay, so quarantine and isolation housing is what the university is is reserving in the Hill for uh, students who have either been exposed or have tested positive. Uh, Mm -hmm. Students that test positive are sent to the isolation housing. Students who may have been exposed to someone who tested positive are sent to the quarantine housing. So there is a little bit of a difference there. Um, Okay. Yes, they did address that. Uh, they did not give any numbers on how many students are currently in either housing, mm-hmm. uh, but they did say that they have excess housing. Um, and previously, it, I believe that they had reserved two uh, halls, but during this call, they said they had actually reserved three. So, Like three residence halls? Yes. So whenever they run out of beds in the halls that they do have, what what's going to happen? I would assume they have the access for that. I'm not sure what the total capacity is even. Um, Mm. They didn't really give a lot of insight. So what do you think was one of the biggest concerns that faculty members presented to the officials? So definitely I think one of the biggest questions that faculty had came during the second half of the meeting where one of the professors asked whether the university would be transitioning to remote operations again, similar to what happened in the spring. And uh, if so, if that does happen you know, what factors would cause that, what would be the threshold. Hmm. Um, and they didn't say much. General Burgess said that uh, the one of the biggest indicators that they're looking at is whether students are hospitalized at East Alabama Medical Center, which hmm. currently there have been no students hospitalized for COVID. Hmm. So did they give any other factors? No, not this time. What did Dr. Cam have to say about what AUMC is doing to prepare? So uh, Dr. Cam uh, mentioned that they've hired several more staff, uh, especially to handle the phone lines. One faculty member uh, brought up an issue where she said a student had told her that phone lines were backed up at the medical center, and uh, Dr. Cam dismissed these claims. He said that they're continually sort of working to improve um, the response times. The mm-hmm. students. He had mentioned that 
actually from what you've seen um, when they contact students for their results sometimes the students don't pick up or they don't uh, respond to emails that get sent but the, uh, they can't text students because of privacy concerns okay how does dr cam think the rest of the semester will go so assuming that uh, things sort of stay the way they are now and there isn't a switch back to remote operations i think dr cam sort of predicts a continued rise in cases until around the middle of october from what he said mm. and then around then uh things will plateau and flatten off a bit and uh going into thanksgiving where the semester is currently planned to end things will start declining down and likely stay that way until mm. we come back in january we'll be right back hey this is natalie beckrank managing editor of the auburn plainsman I just want to remind everyone, if you'd like to support Sweet 1111 and the newsroom that creates it, you can log on to theplainsman.com and click on the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 125 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here in Auburn. Once again, that's theplainsman.com and click on the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. So Tim, what other faculty-related issues were discussed in the session? So uh, Dr. Googe presented early on that the university is not considering any furloughs or layoffs or cutting of any departments or programs, mm. which seemed to be good news for the start of the call. Because as I had written earlier in the summer, the university in July had lost uh, around $15 million from its oh, wow. closure during the pandemic. Mm. So is there any reason to believe that the university will lose some revenue with students who are taking gap years or anything like that to avoid having to go to school during a pandemic? So Provost Hargrave actually brought this up. And, you know, he mentioned that he's seen dialogue among students wanting to take those gap years. But actually, uh, enrollment has been increasing for mm-hmm. this semester. It's at a record high uh, oh. despite the pandemic and the blended classes and some online mm-hmm. classes. Um, and it should be noted that there was a approved enrollment cap last November uh, the Board of Trustees have capped enrollment at 25,000, and that's something they hope to reach in the next Undergraduate few years. students, right? Yes. Okay. So what did the officials have to say about the plan for spring? So they didn't go into too much detail, but they did mention that currently they want to approach it like it's a normal semester and that the plan is for instructors and professors to teach in-person classes in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, there will likely be some online classes for sure. But right now, the only delay that they've had is when students will be able to register for classes, which will be a little bit later in November than usual. Mm. And the course roster that they're preparing for next spring will be released a little bit later, I believe, in October. All right. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for having me. Awesome. From the Auburn Plainsman, this is Sweet 1111. I'm Trice Brown, signing off. See you next week.